podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all, welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by the armchair critics of the game. In today's World Cup Digest, we will be looking at the two semi-finals that happened and we would preview the final of the Cricket World Cup 2019. Today, uh, I'll be your host, I'm Ajit. Giri is away uh, uh, having a trip in India, so as a result, uh, we'll not be able to also have his company on this episode. So. Let's take a quick look at the first semi-final, match number 46 of the World Cup, which was held at Old Trafford, Manchester, between India and New Zealand. So, as we know, in this match, New Zealand won the toss and elected to bat first. It was a very good beginning by Indian seamers against this New Zealand attack. Martin Guptill was easily dismissed by Bumrah for one. Henry Nichols made 28. It was a bit slow. He took his time, but it looked like there were very testing conditions. Kane Williamson made a very good 67 of 95 balls and Ross Taylor he probably played the best innings of the uh, semi-final where he made it a very weighted 74 runs of 90 balls stretch across two days even so Nisham made 12 Claire Collin to Grandholm 16 and Tom Latham 10 and as a result New Zealand were able to total 239 for 8 if we look at uh, the bowling analysis Bumrah took 1 for 39 of his 10 Bhuneshwar Kumar took 3 for 43 of his 10 Hardik Pandey was a bit costly in hindsight but he did a good job uh, taking 1 for 55 of his 10. Jadeja, uh, who was actually surprisingly retained in the 11 ahead of somebody like Kuldeep Yadav, took 1 for 34 of 10 overs. Yuzvendra Chahal was a bit costly. He was targeted by Ross Taylor and also the other batters and he took 1 for 63 of 10. You know, this, this innings of New Zealand which stretched across two days, with all the rain happening on the first semi-final day, so the second day had to be used and New Zealand innings stretched into the second one. I think uh, the New Zealand bowlers had a distinct advantage when they started the second day. They knew the total that they were going to defend and they knew that there was no overs that were going to be lost. The other thing was that because of the rain and everything, the pitch had spruced up a little. And a lot of credit goes to the New Zealand fast bowlers, so especially Trent Bolt and Matt Henry who opened the bowling. And they had reduced India to 5 for 3 at the end of uh, 4 overs. So we know this because KL Rahul was out for 1, Rohit Sharma for 1 and Virat Kohli also for 1. Uh, Rahul and Sharma were dismissed by Henry and Kohli was out LBW to Bolt. So, the way Kohli was dismissed was also very special, where they left mid-wicket open and tempted Kohli into playing across the line, a flick across the line, and he missed a straight ball from Bolt and was LBW. Rishabh Pant um, and Karthik held the fort for a while before uh, Karthik was dismissed to a wonderful catch by Nisham at point of Henry. And Pant made 32, and along with Pandya, who also made 32, they held fort for a very long time, and they took the score to 71 when Rishabh Pant was dismissed. But what all the early wickets pressure had meant is that because of the time they had to take, the run rate was not very high. And when Pant was dismissed, it was already the 23rd over of the game. Knowing that they were chasing 240, they retained a bit of uh, sense and they continued building on the score. MS Dhoni made 50 and he was run out very late in the game. But uh, probably the best innings of this half was played by Jadeja who made lovely 77 of just 59 balls. Playing at a strike rate of 130 and also along with his bowling analysis, probably Jadeja had a very important role. But in the end, 
the required run rate was going to be very high. They were able to bring the score to about 208 in the 48th over, but then they couldn't chase the runs down and they were all out for 221 in the last over of the game. This meant New Zealand, who are uh, touted as the nice guys in the tournament, have qualified for the final. And one of the pre-tournament favourites, India, have once again fallen at the semi-final hurdle. This might come as a bit of a disappointment to all our uh, hundreds and thousands of Indian cricket team fans. But, you know, on that day, the way New Zealand bowled, they deserve to win and they deserve to take a place in the World Cup semi-final. If you were to look at a little bit of the minutiae of what happened and how it unfolded, a lot of credit should be given to Ross Taylor because he seems to have judged the pace of the pitch right. And even though it may have looked like he was playing a bit slow, he kept the innings together and kept running sticking. As a result, Nisham, Grandholm and Tom Latham, all of these guys were able to add a bit of impetus. And then in the end, it turned out 239 was at least uh, defendable. And the first three overs in which the Indian uh, top order was completely rocked was also very instrumental. Like, because Rohit Sharma, who has had a very good tournament, had to fail at some point in time and he failed in the semi-final. Rahul was a bit disappointing that he was also dismissed and Kohli was worked out. So, a lot of credit, as we already discussed, goes to the seeming lineup. But one special mention here goes to Mitchell Santner who at some point in time had an analysis of 6 over 7 runs and 2 wickets and his parsimonious bowling was also very important in keeping the first half of the Indian innings quiet. That was very crucial and as a result, the later part of the innings had too much runs to be made and the Indian team couldn't make it. Now, going on to the second semi-final, the second semi-final was played between Australia and England as we know. It was played on 10th of July at Trent Bridge. In this game, Australia won the toss and had elected to bat first. A lot of credit goes to the England fast bowlers. Chris Vokes and Jofra Archer started wonderfully well and reduced Australia to 14 for 3. Aaron Finch was dismissed off the very first ball he faced, LWW to Archer. David Warner was sorted out cheaply by Vokes for 9. And then Peter Hanscombe was also dismissed for 4 by Vokes. As a result, Australia had to go through a period of rebuilding, which Steve Smith and Alex Carey provided. So, a special mention to Alex Carey, who, in spite of receiving a brutal bouncer, and having an injured jaw, batted on to make a very brave 46. And Stephen Smith made a wonderful 85. Carey was able to have the presence of mind that when the ball hit the helmet, he was able to hold it so that it wouldn't fall back on the wicket and therefore he would be dismissed. Stoinis was dismissed by Rashid LWW and he failed. Maxwell was worked out beautifully by Archer who bowled a wonderful slower ball and had Maxwell caught very close to the wicket by Morgan for 22. Mitchell Stark contributed a useful 29 and along with Stephen Smith who batted on till the 48th over was able to take Australia to 223 all out. But if you look at the score, this was not going to be a very challenging score for the England batting team who now has Johnny Bairstow and Jason Roy back at the top of the order. Chris Wokes took 3 for 20 of 8 overs, Jofra Archer took 2 for 32 of 10, Mark Wood was also very effective taking 1 for 45 of 9 and then Adil Rashid who is now belatedly finding form in the tournament took 3 for 54 in 10 overs. Chasing this modest target, there was always going to be a bit of uncertainty of how England would be able to start. Well, would again Stark and Perendorf uh, do the same thing that happened to India? But nothing like that seemed to unfold as Jason Roy and Bairstow counter-attacked comfortably. And Jason Roy was, let's say, the more aggressive of the two and he scored an 85 runs of just 65 balls. Bairstow was the more measured. He scored 34 of 43. But together, they took the score to 124 in the 17th over and then... In the 18th over, Johnny Besto was dismissed. This meant the run rate pressure was never going to be a feature in this semi-final and 
Joe Root made an unbeaten 49 and Owen Morgan made an unbeaten 45 and they took England home comfortably in the 32nd over. All in all, it was a very one-sided second semi-final. Mitchell Stark tried his heart out, took 1 for 79 overs, but he was not very effective. And then Pat Cummins took 1 for 34 of 7. Pat Cummins had a interestingly quiet tournament. We would expect that he would at some point in time come in and take a bag full of wickets, but that did not really happen. Nathan Lyon was targeted. Two England openers attacked him and made sure he was not going to be effective. It was a one-sided semi-final and England are through to the final. Now, all that remains is the final of the Cricket World Cup. We've been following this for over six weeks and 47 matches later. Now, we have the two finalists. That's going to be England and New Zealand. So, the final is going to be played at Lodge. It's a 10.30 a.m. start and the pitch looks a bit green. But if one were to look at it carefully... It's going to be probably, again, a very good, let's say, testing of the batters, the opening batsmen on both sides. Whoever bats first will have to play out the first 5-8 to eight hours carefully and then build on a score. Similarly, both uh, attacks are very potent and probably how much swing is achieved by the two uh, opening bowlers on both sides will be very crucial on how the rest of the match will pan out. So, it looks like both teams may retain the same 11 that played in the semi-finals. They are winning 11s and they are very effective and doing the job. So that might be the 11s we might get to see. We wish a best of luck to both the teams, New Zealand and England. Going into the finals, we may the best team win. Now, if you were to look at some of the other World Cup news, Aftab Alam, who had been sent home in mysterious circumstances, it has come out that he has been now suspended for one year by the Afghan Cricket Board. He has been given the suspension for misbehaving with a guest at the hotel on the end of the day's play against India. Some of the other news that we can hear about the Afghan team is that Rashid Khan has been given the captaincy of Afghanistan across all formats and Asghar Afghan has been appointed as deputy. So, uh, Rahmat Shah who was appointed as the test captain will probably relinquish it without captaining a single game. This in a way is a good thing because there's going to be a single leader and he can mold the team in his own way. And what comes as a bit of a surprise is Asghar Afghan has now been de- appointed a deputy, having been a captain earlier. It looks like he'll be overseeing and helping Rashid Khan run the team. So, a bit of experience there is also very interesting. So, the other news that we can take a quick look at is uh, Pubudu Dasanayaka, who was the USA cricket team's uh, head coach, has resigned. And Kiran More has been appointed to take over from him. The other news is that uh, in the T20 between Ireland and Zimbabwe, the first T20, Ireland have won this match comfortably. Uh, so this was a sh- rain-shortened match that was played in Makerama Son in Bedi Cricket Club of Ireland. In this game, because of all the rain, the match was reduced to 13 overs. Zimbabwe batted first and made a very competitive 132 for 8 in 13 overs, thanks to 55 from Craig Irwin, 34 from Sean Williams and Rip Burl made 13. But this was easily chased down in just in the 11th over by Ireland thanks to uh, 83 of just 36 balls, unbeaten 83 of 36 balls by Paul Sterling. Andrew Balbirni made 28 and Kevin O'Brien who opened made 19 and made sure that Ireland won the match comfortably. Now, moving on, let's look at the trivia section. So the trivia question from the previous episode was what is the best bowling analysis in women's ODI cricket? This was in reference to the 7-4 that uh, Alisa Perry had taken in the Ashes. But uh, in this case, the best bowling analysis is from a Pakistani bowler that was Sajida Shah. Sajida Shah took 7 for 4 against Japan women playing for Pakistan in 2003 and this still remains to be the best ODI figures in women's cricket. Yogesh got the answer right for the trivia question as usual and we would encourage other listeners to also try and give an answer to us. The trivia question from this episode is an interesting one. I, while I was listening to Andy Zaltzman's unbelievable podcast, he sort of hinted at this. So thanks to him for helping us get this trivia question. So the trivia question is, 
which ODI match holds the record for the most wickets taken by left-arm seamers. So if you have been following the World Cup matches carefully and if you can look at which matches had a lot of wickets taken by left-arm seamers, probably it's one of those matches. As always, you could get in touch with us to give us the answer to the trivia question or, you know, share your thoughts and comments with us on social media platforms, for example, Twitter at armchecktrickpod, on the Facebook page, or you could write into us at armchecktrickpod at gmail.com. You could also leave a comment on any podcasting app that you used to listen to us, for example, could be Podbean or Apple Podcasts or any of these. It has been brought to our notice that Acast is also a favorite platform among certain listeners and we will try our best to see if we can also get our podcast available on Acast. Thanks to the listeners who wrote in to point this out to us. So, the World Cup final coming up. Uh, I hope you guys stay tuned into us to our review of the World Cup final and also the upcoming cricket. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me and Gary. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.